you're listening to Otaku Spirit Anime Cast. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined here with Chris. Yo! In today's episode, we plan on tackling the age-old question. The question that I think is the most important question that I think is asked in anime on a regular basis. I mean, no matter what year it is, there's going to be this question. Why do animators get paid so little? Why is the anime industry so anti-animators? The animators that bring us the wonderful shows that we all enjoy... It's all because of the animators. <laughs> that sounded a little bit sarcastic. I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> but I do think it, it it points out, I guess, my perspective that we've always had. Because, again, as we've been asked this question, or at least we run into this question on a regular basis, is it really sucks that even though I enjoy this, it's hard to enjoy it because of the animators pay. We get we we see it on Twitter all the time. We see it in news articles and stuff on a regular basis. These people aren't getting paid jack squat. How do they even live? Like, how do they even survive? Is a big question mark. I mean, if I've watched documentaries where they go out and they talk to the animators, and they're they're living on pennies. They're in these small apartments, or they're living with their family. And you wonder, like, you're getting. Let's just throw the number out there. Like ten thousand dollars annually. How do you live off that? Ten thousand USD. Like. You couldn't live off that in America. It's just like, how does that... And if you talk about places where a lot of these studios are at, which are like big cities, like Tokyo and stuff, how do you live off $10,000 a year? It doesn't make any sense. Mentally, like you could, you, you probably wouldn't be able to survive on food in that time. How do you afford a place to stay and all this kind of stuff? It is, it is an age-old question. It is one that obviously, I mean, even for us, it hurts. It hurts to know that. I mean, that's any any sort of industry that we enjoy. It's hard to enjoy an animation when... In the back of your head, you're going, the person that made this amazing scene right here is getting paid dirt. <laughs> and and that's that's one of those things that um, we've we've why, one of the main reasons why we are constantly on about supporting the industry, getting mm-hmm. in there, um, supporting our, our our beefs with them aside why we were so big on supporting Crunchyroll and why we're so big on go to Funimation or or get the merchandise or go and buy the original source materials and stuff like that. The main reason why is because of that, because we want to show them that, hey, there is an actual market here and you can support, we are willing to support this thing that we really love. Yeah, and I think the the troubling thing that, really does come from this to to give people a little bit inside baseball is um i've been putting together an outline for a video that i want to do that i've been wanting to do for like months and the more and more i dig into it the more and more i really try to find out what what where is the problem like what what is broken what exactly is broken it it becomes more and more infuriating to realize that it's a problem that's really difficult to fix and that's the big key problem there even like what you were saying a minute ago the idea of supporting the, you know, the mangaka by, yes, that's an easy way. Go straight to the mangaka. If you want to support the mangaka, the original writer, go straight to that source material. And yes, they're going to, a lot of it's going to go to the publisher, but the, the mangaka is going to get that money. It's a little more difficult when it comes to how to support a studio. Because I think the bigger picture that everybody has to understand is that this is a big moving object. Because you see like five seconds of really great animation, there's a lot of things technically that go into play besides just the animator. It's just it's really easy to focus on the animator because that's the one that's getting paid the least. <laughs> the least. That is that's the issue. Is you see this big broader picture as you're looking into it more and more and you realize 
it's never going to go to them. Like the idea of buying even just, I mean, that was a big thing that we were talking about for quite a while is like, well, how do you support the animators? Oh, just buy the Blu-rays. Does that go to the animators? That's the question mark. Well, stream it on Crunchyroll. Does that go to the animators? That's the question mark. Well, buy the figures. Does that go to the animators? That's the question mark. (laughs) And it's really hard because as we've stated several times before, there's no definitive answers out there. You can't yeah. just – there's not like every time a show is made, you get a full breakdown of who all got paid what and why they got paid that. Even even when I say say the whole um, going to Crunchyroll or stuff like that and show them that there is an actual market mm-hmm. here, really what – It's theory, injecting into the industry. Into, into the industry, that means that there is more money there. there the, the problem that Andrew's kind of surface level – kind of hitting and i'm sure we're going to dig into it a lot more later is that the hands that are in the pot there's Mm -hmm. so many hands in the pot it's hard to actually say do this therefore money goes to animator because it's not really going to go that way it's a trickle um you're you're creating a trickle down right what chris is saying is is creating a trickle down you create this necessity for something thus more gets produced thus those people stay in jobs and the hope is that eventually it fixes itself, but then that's a discussion for later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, and I think that's that's the big troubling thing is that there's no there's no silver bullet. The more that I look into it, there's no silver. And I think that's the frustrating thing that I have, and that's why I wanted to create this video that I'm doing. You guys are getting the first taste of what I'm putting together, and I really did want to put a podcast together beforehand. That way, me and Chris can really kind of talk this through, and I might come up with more ideas that I want to put in the video. It's it's more casual here, so it's a lot more easier for us to jump into this, whereas I can't even begin to think of how I'm going to lay this out in my video because I want it to be very quick, concise. You get the points, and you get the reasoning. Uh, because I think the thing that I said earlier is the more and more I look into what exactly is the problem, the more and more I realize that it's a bigger picture issue, that it's a, it's a problem that can't really be solved by a silver bullet. It's going to be requiring pretty much an industry change. Chris has stated this on several occasions, and I, I pretty much agree with it for the most part, is the desire for something to really shake up the industry. And I think that's going to be the only thing that's going to be able to change it. We talked about it with Joen, Joen, J-O-E-N, which was a basically a collaboration of Cloverworks, um, Wit Studio, Anim- uh, Aniplex, and Shueisha. It was this big kind of this, – this grouping – it's not that these companies came together. It's just like a grouping. They all It's like a big production committee, basically. And their statements is that they want to change that. They want to change how much the creators get paid. They want to, change, they want to support the creators more. And I think that that was like our first sign of like, if they're telling the truth, if they're actually going to do this, this could change everything. Not that it's going to make a big swipe across the entire industry and everything's fixed and everybody's happy. Animators getting paid at least a livable wage it's more of an aspect of that's that starts a fire. Like it starts a little spark and you're hoping that that will spread hoping one of my, one of my um, live live streams that I was doing at one point, they um, somebody had asked me about that. And I said, unfortunately, and, and, and as harsh as it sounds, because I know I am very aware of how harsh it sounds. Japan is going to have to fix this problem. It's not something that us from the outside and we are screaming and yelling. Yeah, we all agree this one problem really sucks, but really they're going to have to say, look, you're not paying me enough. 
And unfortunately, the way their um, their society is, it's very unlikely that they're going to do that without some kind of a um, a shove from inside. Um, yeah, and I mean, we've, we've noticed before, this is not an an and the studio anime studio only thing. This is a a countrywide thing. It's yeah. the black company aspect. It's just the black company aspect affects animator studios. But yeah, it's it, it is is a struggle. And I I do agree with you. I think it's it's nice that us over here we're screaming, we're yelling. This is an easy change, and they're doing it too. I mean, let's uh, let's at least acknowledge that even in their own government, they're wondering what is going on. Because, as we've stated, I think we even talked about in our last podcast, actually, so it's here recently, um, there was the, this kind of meeting of the diet, uh, diet or something like that where they were questioning uh, about anime. Because anime is important to Japan. It is a huge mm-hmm. entertainment business for them. They've lost a lot of things such as electronics exports. They've lost out on things like – I don't know how the vehicle business is doing, but their biggest exports is, is dwindling. But, but their entertainment is still up there. And anime, manga, light novel is huge. Especially manga and light novels is huge money for them. And it's it's injecting money into their industry. So thus they are – if something makes a lot of money, if something sells a lot in your government or in your, in your borders, that obviously trickles up to the government and it trickles up into the industry itself. So they want it to do well. So the thing they were questioning was why are your animators getting paid so much? But not really just that, but – why are you exporting so much animation to other countries? Why is China doing so much of yeah. your animation? Why is all these other countries doing so much of your animation? And they're and one of the key points. I don't remember exact quote, but they're one of the, the things they said was, "Why are they getting paid more over there? <laughs> why are you exporting your animation to China? And why are they getting paid more? It doesn't make any sense. That should be in our borders." That should be in our. That should be our citizens make uh, animating it. Our citizens getting paid. Our citizens then putting it back into the system by buying goods and services that then go back into the system. If you if you keep exporting it, it doesn't thrive within our own government. It doesn't thrive within our own people. And that's obviously again since it's so huge, important to Japan. Which that was kind of one of our theories as to why Joan exists. Is it these companies responding to that government push of, like, you need to start taking care of your people more. You need to keep that in your borders, in our borders, and focus on bringing that money here. Don't export it. But, well, again, and, and bigger that, picture. And that goes back to one of the things that I had mentioned at some point that I, I find it interesting to see that there, it's – where the power of the entertainment industry is shifting, where it's it's going away from Hollywood and it's going across to these other countries. Uh, I, I, I love the, the fact that I'm seeing it in Japan in mm-hmm. particular on the animation side. Um, but I do know that uh, Paris is, has got a lot of power as well. The The shift where we're apparently dry on, on new ideas, the shift is going to these other countries that do have they're Very experimenting. Yeah, I think that's the big thing. They're experimenting in other countries, and we're becoming stagnant. Yeah, we're Marvel and <laughs> Marvel and superheroes. That's and all they're we doing. Do. The same one over and over and over again. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and it's 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 kind of telling when you see a lot of these groups, like especially Netflix. What do they keep making stories out of? Japanese stories, and it shows you that where they're willing to experiment over there. Over here, we're playing it too safe. Which I'm not going to get too much into that, but we're playing it very safe over here. And safe in in regards to, like I said, the superhero thing. That's a safe bet. 
They know people are going to come watch superhero movies. That's why they make it. That's why it's a safe bet to make isekais. People will watch them. Um, Japan does do some similar stuff, but they're looking at. I would. I think the big difference there is they're looking at trends that is going to be safe. I guess, grand technically, doing superhero films is them looking at trends for superhero films and being safe, but on a much bigger budget, obviously. So there's much more risk there. But I think where you have less money put into something, the risk is way less um, in regards to animation and, and publishing and stuff like that for mangas and light novels. So, but yeah, let, let's let's dig into this. Let's let's get into what Andrew really kind of looked at in regards to um, what I was seeing in the industry that I think really complicates things a, a substantial amount. But as usual, before we really get into that, we can't really assume that everybody is on the same page here. So I do want to get through some. Some some things that for some people that have, especially for people that have listened to us for a long time, we've we've described this before. Some people that are more in the know about animation, they're probably going to know this information. But I want to get through this so that everybody's on the same page. Um, for those that aren't aware, essentially how an anime is made. Let's start from the very beginning. So typically, what you're going to have for the most part, there's a, there's going to be a lot of outliers here. Obviously, we're we're not talking about Kyoto Animation that does pretty much everything inside their own house. We're not talking about Trigger where they'll go and do some crazy thing on their own, their own original project or something like that. For the majority, like 99.9% of your anime, this is how it's done. You essentially have people with the money, this group of people that become the producers for a project. They come together. It, sometimes it's a single person. One single group says, hey, I want this thing adapted. I want, like, Cygame says, I want an adaptation of um, Rage of Bahamut. So they come out and they go, okay, we're going to make a we're going to make a production group, and we're going to produce an anime from this product. It can be also Shueisha saying, I want to make a an anime adaptation of one of our mangas. It can be anybody. As long as you have something that you want to create an animation from, you're the producer. You're the one that's going to be spending the money. Next step, you have to find a studio. You have to find somebody that you can contract to make an animation out of your product. And so they'll look for a studio. They'll find which studio. They'll find Cloverworks. They'll find a studio and say, we want you to make 12 episodes out of this property. And your whole you know, job is to go out and find everybody to put together to make it happen. So the studio then going, okay, yeah, we agree. We'll do it for this much per per episode. We'll do this many episodes, and then we'll call it, and that will be the end of the contract. And at the point, you're basically going to have the studio get everybody together. They're going to look for a director. They're going to look for an animation director. They're going to look for animators. Obviously, they're usually probably going to have animators already in-house. They're going to look for everybody they need to put together the animation. Once the animation is done... That from that point on, well, while it's being made, obviously you're going to have it being broadcast to television. You're going to be having it streaming on services. Once it's kind of get to a certain point, you can start selling Blu-rays based on it. If you had some really great music in it, you're obviously going to sell CDs from it. Um, and even from that beyond that point, you're going to have merch and stuff being made for it. Now, now that we've set the groundwork, like I said, you have one group that it, a group or a single producer. If it's a group, it's called a production committee. A group or a single producer is going to come together. They're going to fork over the money to contract out to a studio. The studio is then going to accept that contract, put together a team, produce an animation. The question is, where's the money go? Now, the the big issue that I see with a lot of people's misconceptions of how this whole system works is that there's a breaking point in people's logic. They think, um, like for a good example... Oh, they're censoring this so that the studio can sell Blu-rays. No, <laughs> they're not. 
The production committee told them to do that because they want to broadcast on a certain television show. The production committee tells them, censor this much because we want to sell Blu-rays. The studio never makes that decision. Unless the studio owns that property, they can't make those decisions. Well, we need to put more music in there so that we can sell more music CDs. The studio doesn't make that decision. The production committee makes that decision. Everything about the animation of their product is decision made by the production committee. Why? Because the production committee is putting their money forward, and they want profits. They want the money. The studio doesn't make the money. Now, here's where things start getting into the weeds. This is where we start to get little question marks throwing up in the air that really makes it difficult to really pin down where the problem lies. We don't know exactly how those contracts work. Again, a studio is a contractor. They don't own the property. They don't even own – They and technically, in the end, they don't own what they animate. Unless it's written in the contract, the studio is strictly animating that product distrib- and, and giving it back to them to distribute. The studio doesn't own anything. The question mark comes is how much the studio is making. That's the big question mark we've always had is how much exactly are they making? Why does the animators get paid so little? The question always comes in is how much the studio is paying them and is the studio not paying them more than what they should be? That comes back to how much is the studio actually making? And that's where things get very difficult. We've had leaks in the past where we see budgets for what a studio is paid per episode on a series. Um, One of the biggest controversial ones that came up quite a few years ago was Bamboo Blade. Bamboo Blade, it came out to being something like $70,000 USD per episode. That's terrifying to think of because, yes, $75,000 is a lot of money, but when you think about a studio of 100-plus people, that's not much per person. And there's been other ones that are that are leaked that are much higher than that. But that was like a that was probably the most shocking one that I think most people have seen. Typically, it's going to be more up in the range of something like uh, maybe two hundred thousand per episode. But even still, then, in my opinion, it's not much. But that is a contract based on a single episode. The question mark comes, and this is how we start getting into the weeds about where the problem actually is at: is how much kickback does a studio get? Because that was the thing that we always talked about, um, especially with Crunchyroll. Remember at some point Crunchyroll right. was talking about how, yes, you can pay your sub and go somewhere else. But the idea is that the more you watch of a single episode, the more the animators get. I think I don't know if they said that. It was, it was just that they – it was more going yeah, back to them. Pretty much the gist of it, yeah. Because but they the, were sending a royalty back theoretically. Yeah, and it, so it's like one of those things of like, yeah, it's technically true. It's, it's helping the industry. But how much of that's getting back to the animators? I'd probably argue there's no proof that any of it is. But the the hope is that it does. But again, it goes back to the whole trickle-down effect that we were talking about earlier. The more you inject into the industry, the more anime is made, the more people keep in jobs, and the hope is that eventually they get paid more. If the industry flourishes, you'd hope that eventually that trickles down to being the animators get more money. But the question mark, like I said, is, is it more than just the 10,000, or not 10,000, 10 million yen, which is like $70,000, whatever, um, USD, are they getting more than that? It all depends on the contract. Like I stated earlier, it's all about a producer wanting something made. They hand it off to the studios. The studios then animate it. And then what comes back to the studio? How much does how much the streaming, how much does that go back to the studio? They're streaming what the animators made. Wouldn't you think the animators would get that money? Not necessarily. It's not their product. It's not their, it's not their, they don't own it. They're making it. And then you go back to Blu-rays. How much does the Blu-ray come back to the studio? 
it depends on the contract. <laughs> it's it's not as if the Blu-ray suddenly equals the the studio makes money. It's all in the contract. How much do the producers say? Okay, so in this contract, you're going to animate this. If you sell this many Blu-rays, meaning if you animate it well enough and you make a nice Blu-ray, you're going to get 10% of the Blu-ray sales. Okay, how about merch? Well, um, if the characters look kind of like the characters from the studio, I guess we can give you some cut of that because we're technically making figures for the anime character, not the light novel character. And you guys technically drew it, so we want to give you some kickback for that. Nothing's set in stone, and that's the difficulty that I face. We don't see those contracts. Our difficulty in trying to figure this this problem out is that we don't know how much kickback beyond the initial, you'll be paid this for this many episodes. It, it, it is one of those, like Andrew was saying, and we're he's putting a lot of emphasis on the contracts for a reason. I mean, that that is 99% of the problem is... We're we're going from a surface level. We know we have a rough idea of how this works. I mean, I uh, taking into consideration, uh, Andrew kind of uh, uh, surface level mentioned, you know, the manga, the light novel, all that stuff. It, it the the chain even goes back that far back to where the original source material. Um, and the problem is, is that each one of these is a different contract. When you get to the the production committee, you actually have a conglomerate of stuff that you can say there and then you can see basically effectively what happens is the production committee gets the control over the property and then they're the ones who are effectively handing out the pro- the, the the contracts so they say you have a contract with uh, the studio and you're going to make it so when but they still have the for lack of a better term or the quote-unquote ownership rights over the property and so when uh crunchyroll comes in and says hey we want to stream this okay no problem you get a contract to stream this product over there now technically they all they did was buy the rights to stream it they didn't say okay and and this is like andrew was saying we don't know what's in the contract we don't know if there is a stipulation that you're going to send a kickback to the production committee. And even if it does go back to the production committee, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to the studio. The mm-hmm. studio's contract is technically already done in yeah. the fact that they have made an animation. The production committee owns the animation because they contracted studio. You will make this. They make it. They get the product. And now they're selling the product to Crunchyroll. This is this is the inner workings of these contracts that, yes, on a surface level, we believe we know what's going on, but we technically don't know what's actually in those contracts. For instance, a while back, I remember, I want to say it was the, um, the Skip Beat Kickstarter was talking about how, why it was so hard to get a, um, a dub slash uh, sub of skip beat to get made and they had to go to um the the actual production committee to get the right to do that and they they were talking about all these um i don't know if it was them but or somebody else that was talking about theirs their kickstarter and how they had to go to this and they were seeing all of these shows that nobody wanted to touch because there's basically no money in it and that's i i think me and andrew had mentioned a long time ago one of the biggest problems with these Kickstarters is the problem of the risk-reward. Mm-hmm. If you do not put the put the collateral up, 
you can't take the take the reward after you've put your risk in it. And by t- sending out a Kickstarter, I'm not going to argue about whether or not I believe Kickstarters. We've already made our, our, our feelings known about that. But when it comes down to it, you, by doing a Kickstarter, you're taking all the risk off the table and still reaping the rewards. That's not fair to the people who are actually putting the money into the Kickstarter. Yeah, you get your um, your copy of uh, Anime X, but when it comes down to it, you're not getting the uh, the profit for actually investing in that anime to be uh, created. And this is the issue that all of these um, that these companies are kind of by stepping by doing it that way. And this is all involved in those contracts that we technically don't see. Even if, even if Funimation did a, a, um, a Kickstarter, your animators are not getting that money. It's all the same issue. These contracts, the production committee is making all the money off of it. And that's why we were mentioning earlier all these hands that are in the, the 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 cookie jar, they're all getting their their part of it. It's technically not trickling down the way we want it to. Yeah, and I think that that's the thing that keeps and this is where I always struggle. This is where I always struggle, is that I agree in the idea that or my mindset in something like this is I don't immediately go, Oh my god. Because that that's the question you're gonna have. When you ask people why do animators not get paid, it's gonna be the responses are gonna be uh, it, 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 you might get some responses saying it's a studio. It's the studio's fault. They're not paying their staff well enough. And then you have the other people that say it's the evil production committee. The evil production committee. Obviously, the evil production committee. But like I said earlier, it's it's in my perspective. I always like to look at things from a broad point uh, vantage point to really get an, an idea of what exactly is happening. Look at the moving parts and make a decision based on what I actually see, and not immediately jump to a conclusion based on what's right in front of me. And like I said earlier, I think it's a it's it's a multiple issue. If we look at the idea of the risk reward aspect. Let's start from the production committee. Again, let, let's take the, the 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 example of a production committee. So a group of people that will be producers that will put the money forth, contract out to an animator uh, studio and have them made it. That production committee. Let's take the example of Spyx family because I have a chart that I actually took which is basically Spyx family. So when, when initially when Spyx Family was going to be animated, obviously one of the people you're going to have in that production committee, let's, let's, this is not a shock to anybody, Shueisha. Shueisha is going to be involved. They have the manga. They have the source material. They're going to be the ones that want to animate it because they're probably going to bump up their manga sales. So Shueisha is probably going to be the first one that speaks up. Then you have Toho Animation that gets involved. Then you have TV Tokyo. Yeah, a broadcaster. Yeah, TV Tokyo is like, heck yeah, we'll put some money into that sucker. We want that on our channel. TV, a lot of cases when you look at the producers, you're going to find a, a broadcaster. Somebody that wants it on television because they want to get the exclusive rights to in Japan to have it on their television network. TV Tokyo is jumping in on that sucker. So TV, TV Tokyo is involved. Um, I'm not exactly sure the, the entirety of why Toho Animation is involved. I'm assuming it's probably because they have an ownership in specifically Spike's family somehow, but... Um, or another broadcasting channel. That's probably what it is. So yeah, you have, again, the original publishers of the manga. And here's the problem is that why would they want to put money towards this? They're not, they're not, Shueisha wants to sell manga. Why are they, why are they wanting you to watch it on animated format? Again, their benefit, they're going to put, invest this money because the hope is 
you'll go and buy the manga. It costs them much more money to put together an anime than it does a manga. They can make a, a volume of a manga for cents, pennies. <laughs> a single episode of uh, Spy X Family, we don't know the exact budget. I would assume it's probably going to be much more up in the range of maybe $500,000 an episode. Um, but that's just a random guess uh, based on what I'm seeing with other things being uh, spent into. But either way, the idea is that Shueisha wants to put in money. They're going to risk that money. There's a chance that they get animated and everybody goes, this is a stupid story. I'm never buying your manga. They're putting money out there as a risk. TV Tokyo is putting money in there as a risk. They could broadcast it on their television channel. Nobody watches it. Guess what? Nobody watches the advertisements. Spy X Family makes them no money. So TV Tokyo is risking their money. Shueisha is risking their money. And again, Toho Animation, if it's a TV broadcast, I didn't look into enough. I apologize. I'll probably look into it after this. Um, I don't know why I didn't. But they're, they have a risk somewhere in there, and they're looking for a reward. That's what the producers are doing. They're risking for a reward. Now, the problem is that beyond that, there's no more risk. Because, now there's technically a risk. There's always a risk in business. But the risk of the success of that is no longer apparent because from this point on, they're going to contract out to a studio. In this case, it's a group effort of which studio and Cloverworks they're doing. One's doing an episode, the other's doing an episode. It's probably going to be deviated out as which studio gets paid for an episode. They get two-week break. They get paid for another episode, two-week break, another episode. Probably works out really well for them. Probably not for the long run, but still. The risk is no longer in that initial money because the studio then takes a contract. Now, here's the important thing to remember. And this is where I think things get very muddy in where the fault lies. The studio agrees to what they will be paid. Again, there might be some additional contracts for royalties. There might be additional contracts for how much the streaming service pays them, how much the Blu-rays sell. There might be additionals. But from the base value, their contract is sealed. They agree, we will animate an episode for this much money. Now here's where, and here's me revealing my cards, is where I start to get into where I fall on this whole argument. This is where everything's built up. 30 minutes into this podcast episode, Andrew reveals his cards. There's more into this, but um, (laughs) the base idea here. Here's where I think the problem lies. This is where, in my research, I believe the issue lies. Twofold. The producers, the production committee themselves, paying too little for that episode. They're offering it. But the problem then comes in the studio to agree on it. And I think that's the problem that we're seeing overall in the industry, and we'll get more in details in this going forward, but here's where the problem is actually happening, is that the studio is agreeing to a small amount of money. They might they might not be asking for enough, but either way, they're agreeing, so it's no fault to the producers. This is where I start to, to defend the production committee. They could deny them. The studio accepts the contract. How much they will be paid per episode, they accept the contract, and then that much money is then based on the studio themselves and how they run things is pulled to their employees. And again, like I said earlier, this can be anywhere from a hundred employees to 200 plus that much money is going to essentially keep this studio running. Now, again, there's going to be other things. There's going to be issues with, you know, contracts and royalties and all that stuff that could be added to it, but that's the base value that they're accepting for their employees and 
in a sense, they're animators. And they may be doing bids. And that, yeah. That's something to take into consideration. It's not necessarily just uh, the production committee. And, 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 and to, be, to be clear, I'm not, I, I don't completely hate uh, I, when I said the production committee is, is the one that's in control, I'm not implying that there's some kind of overlords that are holding on to all that. They, they just have the right, the, the rights to it. They legally uh, own it. They <laughs> legally own it. <laughs> they made the product or they, they published the product itself. And it's, to be fair, I mean, when, when these studios are going up there, like I was saying, they may be bidding and undercutting themselves. They, you would hope that they would be more clear about it and understand. But when it comes down to it, especially, I mean, I've done sealed bids before and that sucks because you have no clue if your, if your, um, if your bid is going is too high, if it's too low. And so you try to cut it down as much as possible, trim as much fat as possible. And then you're still getting undercut and, and you're like, well, how the heck did that other company do that? I used to do the other side of the whole thing. I like how him and me have the opposite side of the whole <laughs> thing because I've had plenty of people that come in the, in the door when I used to do procurement and they would go, hey, we would love to do you know this material that you guys have for your product. And it's like, oh, yeah? So um, how much does it cost? And they go, well, how much do you usually pay for it? And it's always like, you're not going to get me to tell you how much I'm paying for it. And then it's always like they they, they do some really high bid, and it's like, yeah, um, we'll, we'll call you. And then they immediately know. And then they come back later, and they go, yeah, how about this much? It's like, yeah, it's good seeing you, but uh, we'll call you. <laughs> it's always like the two-sided coin, which is always fun. You don't want to reveal your cards. You want them to keep coming down. You want them to go way under what your other person's doing. But then at that argument, to your case... What kind of quality are you getting? So there's, yeah. there's always a multiple asset aspect to that. You could, they can get down, they can get those bids down, but then what studio are they getting to do their product? And I think that's a risk reward that again the production committee is going to weigh. Do we really want this animation to be really great, or do we want to set? Now I think a lot of production committees probably think about that when it comes to certain stories. They might want to do bombastic animation. They want to sell people not only on the story, but the cool fights. Like like Demon Slayer, I think they probably pumped a bunch into that and went to a footable, and they wanted to not just sell people on the story and the characters. They wanted to sell people on those action scenes because when you open that manga, you're going to see these crazy action scenes, and we want you to jump in there and get into those, those fight scenes. And the, you also go into the idea of and, – and, and this is going like – almost off on a random tangent you also wonder about the names that are that are being involved in this like um when you actually talk about voice actors or voice actresses or uh directors you're you're uh everybody's favorite uh butcher um the um mario kata names like that when those names pop up i mean i'm immediately going to if i see mario kata pop up on a on a show i'm almost guaranteed that i'm going to watch that show so stuff like that, you you wonder how much of the the piece of the pie. Then going back to what we're saying, all these hands that are in the cookie jar, um, you you wonder how much of the piece of the pie goes directly to that person. I mean, Mario Kata is not a uh, or uh, Jinorobuchi. Those are not names that you ignore um, uh, when you get into the voice actresses um, or voice actors, um, Aoyuki or, or somebody like that. They, they, those are not names that you just ignore. Uh, when you go into the, the music side, you got uh, Myth and Royd or... Um, uh, Maybe if you're going specifically for like soundtrack, yeah, and like No Name and yeah. Swanahir Yuki is probably a big, big budget as well. 
Exactly. And a lot of these, when, when you actually start throwing names in there that into the pot, that, then you've got money going in other directions that even then that's more uh, stuff that's not going to the animators. So like Andrew was saying, it's all these little itty bitty things that are the conglomeration that makes this all work, that gets you a, your, your favorite show. Um, there's different things that are involved in a lot of that case. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the sadder the sadder thing in the bigger picture is name recognition because I think a lot of that that's where we start to get in that realm of when how much how much is that hand from the production committee really getting into the production of the product itself because again they can make the shots they can make the calls for the studio to do this or do that uh, again recognition is a big part of that. How much is that of them going, you're going to use Mario Kata, we're going to make this product. And I think maybe in a lot of those cases, it might be the production committee that's actually, um, you know, hiring somebody like Mario Kata to get involved. I, I would assume that if if a production committee has said, hey, um, Studio Dean, we want you to use Suwano, uh, not Suwano, uh, we want you to use um, Miyazaki. Uh, uh He's kind of expensive. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll pay for them to come in here. Don't worry about that. Because that budget that they're giving them for that contract for those episodes probably is not going to include hiring a big-name person. Because I think there's quite a bit of of emphasis to be given to a, an actor themselves. Now, this is where, again, we get into the area of unknowns. And this is an area where it's very difficult to really say where the calls are made. But it is important to note, like Chris is bringing up, that yeah, and there's some cases that they're probably going to use big name actresses and big name people to pull people into watching a show. For the longest time, Rika Jimia having her name on something is going to pull in people to watch. Voice actors, and this is a, the thing that we've we've talked about quite a bit, is that voice actors are Japan's Hollywood, or they're Hollywood actors. So, unlike over here, if you if you you know brought up yeah we we technically have done it in the West as well like John Travolta is Bolt or whatever um, we they we've done that over here but it's a, especially a big thing over there is that when somebody knows what what happens whenever you first see a PV what is always the first PV and information that you get for a show you get the CV so and so CV so and so that's <laughs> what that is by the way if anybody's wondering and, and when you watch a trailer voice, and it yeah. says CV that's character voice. The, my point is that before you even see how the show will look, you get a trailer of the original artwork steals on a video with character voice this person. That's usually the first PV you'll ever get is here's who's going to voice a character. And it immediately is going to draw people in. They know that. And so, again, is a lot of that budget from the studio itself being put into those characters, those voices? Most likely a large portion of that money is going into making sure that it sells. Now, again, like I said earlier, this is where it gets difficult to know how much of that is the production committee saying you're going to use this actor. Um, I think when portrayals that we've seen in things like uh, Shirabako, a lot of that is pushed on them, but at the same time, they technically make the decision to do that stuff. There's a lot of emphasis on you want to sell this product, you need a good voice. Hire the bigwigs. Hire the big name. Hire the big dogs. Now, I remember back when um, Shirabako was airing, there was this chart that came out um, that basically showed how much of each of the characters in the show themselves made. And it caused a huge uproar because, obviously, on the far left of that chart is Animator. $9,400 is how much they got paid annually. Annually. Yearly. That's their salary. 
and then you go all the way to the right side. And as you keep going to the right, you're seeing, you know, I think the first one that actually has like a decent salary for somebody that lives in the United States is probably the series director. They're only getting $42,000 annually. Chief animator is getting a little bit more than that. Executive producer, obviously getting paid a lot more because of a producer. But then you get over there all the way to the right. And who was there? The a they specifically say a list voice actor. I was getting. This ready is going to gonna be your Rikajimia. This is not going to be your, you know, random person off the road like for like Tokyo Mew Mew New. Those girls aren't getting paid that much. But these they're listing those a list voice actresses as getting or actors getting paid nearly six hundred thousand dollars annually. Now, now, okay. I want to make this perfectly clear, and this might be the point you're going to make. That's how much they get paid. Not for the show. That's how much they're getting paid yearly. Mm-hmm. And what does the voice actors get? They get CDs that they get to do. They get to do stage plays, stage performances, uh, signings. They're idols. They're effectively they're idols. Yeah. So this isn't what I'm. What my point is that the thing that that chart doesn't tell you is that they're not getting paid six hundred thousand dollars just for doing that one show. They're getting paid that much because they are doing so many. Well, just like the animators not getting paid ninety four thousand dollars annually for one show, they're that's their annual income. Um, so I think there's a little bit of misconception there. That doesn't mean that. Let's say Sherbako, the show that Sherbako made. The, 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 for those who don't know, Sherbako is an anime that PA Works did. That was a fictitious group of people that were animating a TV show. Um, the what they're basically saying is that these characters in the show doing these jobs that's how much they get paid annually and so i don't want people to believe that based on that chart that that means that this a-list voice actress they took the bud that that's way more than the budget that the probably the animated show itself made it's just that there was so much other things that actors are doing that they get paid so much more but again they are your stars again if you put rika jimia on a show you put mario okada on a show if you put uh, shoot Miyazaki on his show it is going to sell like crazy there he's, was gotta, a big he's argument. gotta buy a lot of cherry cigarettes so I mean well, <laughs> and that was the argument that people were making about things like um, Bubble when Bubble came out on Netflix what did they do they put Jenner Butchie's name on there and then everybody argued no Jenner Butchie didn't even do anything they just put his name on there to sell it and it's like maybe but that's probably why they did it I wouldn't doubt it you put that was a big argument that people made for the longest time was that um, they wanted to put Swana Hiroyuki, or not Swana, I keep wanting to say Swana Hiroyuki, uh, Miyazaki's name on everything. If you put his name, they, literally you've seen a poster, this is a joke, obviously, you've seen a poster at a theater in Japan, literally like they just took his name and just put it in bold from one corner to the other so that you didn't miss that he made this because people walk in that theater because they know. He's a name that they trust. It's a name that I can go, I'm going to put money down because I already know it's going to be good. Because he made it. And a lot of people would, would feel that way. If they seen Jira Butchie's name written on something and they like Fate Zero or something like that, they're going to know and they're going to invest before it even happens. Sorry. Hey, I, I was just going to kind of re, uh, re-say what you just said in a, in a different way. Of the, the A-list uh, actors are literally the top of the top. I mean, like Andrew had mentioned, there, there is the lower, lower tier um, uh, voice actresses. And when it comes down to it, the basically we're going going back to the whole contract thing. You you're 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 you have a contract with the the uh, the audio department for if you want to call it that. But basically these um, 
these companies who handle the voice acting. And then they bring in these these different voice actresses or voice actors. Unless the production committee spe- specifies, I want Aoyuki, or I want Ryukajimia, or I want um, uh, Gangsta Guy. Um, <laughs> unless they specifically <laughs> said, I, could, I, I was Gosh. trying to remember his name, and it, it wasn't coming to me, so I just I'm went with the Gangsta. I'm because that's my <laughs> man crush. <laughs> But when it comes down to it, these names are important and, and they they matter. And so they the production committee will say, hey, let's go ahead. I think this person, this character right here will be perfect with this this voice actor. And plus, if we put his name on this, we're guaranteed to get probably a 25 percent boost in uh, in in sales. That that goes back to the risk reward thing, but when it comes down to it, they have a chance that if they put Kendra Asuda in a show about the Yakuza, more than likely people are going to jump on board because they want to hear Kendra Asuda act like a uh, Yakuza. He's perfect for it. And so you have almost a guaranteed boost just by his name being on that Yakuza show. And you have people that are huge fans of them that are hearing them talk on a radio station about how they're doing this role in this one random Netflix show. Guess what? People are signing up for Netflix because mm-hmm. they want to hear what he's doing because they just heard his crush. They're keeping up on his his Twitter feed, and suddenly he <laughs> says that he's doing this role in this one show. Dang sure those big fans are going to be signing up for Netflix. And it, and and all of this it comes back to some of some of the voice actors are getting a lot of money. Some of them, like Andrew was mentioning, Tokyo Mew Mew New or the 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 Onipon, where it was uh, very unknown uh, uh, voice actresses. I guarantee you that was a contract with a studio. We need these voices. You handle that. They didn't. They didn't go. Okay. Hey. We're using uh, uh, Subaki over here, and she's got this really cute voice. Are you going to come and watch it because of Subaki? No, more than likely not, because it's not Kendro Suda, or it's not Ryukademia, or uh, Aoyuki. You didn't go to Onipan for those those names. So and take that into consideration. It could have been a publicity stunt, because they made a big to-do about the fact that they were doing yeah. uh, uh, their tryouts for it they had this well, big event they, where they were doing tryouts for new actresses to come do tokyo Mew Mew, and that could have been a huge publicity stunt i remember uh kumamiko they were doing something similar in in, in her voice actress was was a very new voice actress and she was ver- really young and that was kind of the appeal of that uh character as well so it's it's done i'm not saying it's not done i'm just saying that's not the that's not a guaranteed boost of kendra suda and i think the big thing that the big reason why I really did want to bring this whole idea of the annual income chart that they made for Shirabako, the main reason why I really want to bring this in here is, one, to, to dispel that myth about, again, specifically A-list voice actresses. And again, I think a, a good portion of that's probably going back to their agency. Their agency is the one that's booking them. And could they make 600000 Yeah, probably. But they're most likely a big – that a part of that's probably going to go into – um, depending on how they come with this number, it says annual income. It, it should mean that they make themselves make that money, but it could be an annual income to their, their group and they get a cut of it. I don't know. But either way, my whole point in bringing up this chart, I think my bigger picture that I want to draw people is like I said earlier, the first one where it's like basically minimum wage for the, the, the Western 
person is a series director. Series director. What's before the series director? Episode director, the CG animator, the production assistant, um, anybody that's probably a part-timer that's brought in to do animation, maybe an outsourced animation. And yeah, that's, of course, at the very bottom of that whole totem pole is the animator themselves. My point is that uh, all but like three of these people that they're pointing out, which those three people are series director, chief animator, and executive producer, nobody's getting like a living wage. Now, the the thing that I really want to point out here is that my whole thought process here is not so much that the animators are not getting paid enough. My point is that nobody is getting paid enough. <laughs> so my thought process here is that rather than me pointing out just the one person, because I think the thing that I brought up at the very beginning, I sort of hinted at it, the bigger picture is that the studio itself is not getting enough for what they're doing. The entire group needs to get paid more. The budget needs to be increased. The amount this group is accepting to make this animation needs to go up. We need to raise the bar a bit so that that trickle-down effect happens in a different way in the idea that you're raising that bar up. Everybody's getting pushed up. Yes, the chief animator is probably going to get paid instead. Let, let's say to get the animator from 9000 all the way up to, again, let's say a bare minimum of 40000 they're going to have to bump up everybody up by at least 30000 So yes, the executive producer is going to get 90000 The chief animator is going to get 70000 But the point is to bring the animator up. You're going to have to bring up everybody. You're going to have to bring up all those pieces of pie. You're going to have to make that piece of the... Yes, the piece of the pie is cut very thin for the animator. Let's, let's, let's raise it up a bit. Let's make that a thick piece of pie. And that way... Everybody gets paid. But again, that goes back to my original argument. This is not an easy as saying, studio, pay your animators better. I think the bigger picture, what I'm seeing from the outside looking in on what little information we can pretty much gauge from these people, because again, every contract's different. Every animation's different. Every studio accepts different things. Every production committee um, allows different things. It's a bigger picture in that more money needs to be accept- uh, given more money needs to be demanded, and in the end, we get a better product and we get happier people. It's just – it's not something that is as simple as saying production committee evil. It's not as simple as saying the studios are evil. It's not as simple as saying, man, those voice actors get paid way too much. It's not that simple. In the end, it's not that simple, and I think that's the thing that I I want to get across to most people who just, again, villainize the production committee because, again – Production committee is just offering. The production committee is not controlling them. Studio can I, say I no. Don't, I don't even. I don't even think that necessarily the production committee makes all that much money off of it. I, in, in all honesty, I they're mean, investing for other things. Yeah, exactly. They're they're investing. It's like Andrew is mentioning. Um, they're they're all all they're doing is they're saying we're putting this money out to get an anime made. The studio is saying we want to do that that animation for you, and they say, "Okay, that's what we're do. We're paying you this much money." Yes, they have the rights over the property, but they're not making money off of it. I mean, they're technically, like Andrew had mentioned earlier, with uh, with the was it Su- Suisha, uh They want to sell their their manga. Um, Shonen Jump wants to sell their manga. They're putting the money forward, like we were saying earlier, the risk-reward thing. If they put their money out there, they're taking a chance that they're going to get 
um, some they're investing. rumbling into um, rumbling into getting their manga sold. If they can get their their manga sold, then they make money. This is why I, I mentioned it towards the beginning. There's this aspect of we have to get money into the industry. And then, like Andrew was saying, the entire industry raises up. Not necessarily that, hey, we demand, we're putting more money in there. We demand that you give that to the animators. It's not going to work that way. They're going to look at you like you're done, done lost your mind. When it comes down to it, we need to show them that we have a desire for the industry that they have. We want to support it. We want to get money into it. That's why... I keep going back to buy the freaking figures, buy the the Blu-rays, buy the. It's not necessarily because the Blu-rays are going to get, like Andrew was saying, the money is not going to go from the Blu-ray right straight to the animator. It's to show them there's money in this industry if they take the Western audience more serious. Right now, they are catering to the Japanese market, and oh yeah, well we can make a couple more dollars if we let them stream. Or uh, they go to write stuff or uh, uh, J list or whatever have you, and they say, "Okay, you've got you want to sell some figures? Go right on ahead. We don't care as long as we make a couple more bucks." What we are saying is, show them that there is a demand. If you show them there's a demand, guess what they're going to do? Well, maybe we should supply that demand, and then once they do, then the dam will break, and they will officially become the Hollywood of animation. I, I think there is a there. The again going back to the how is how do we fix it? I get, again I like I stay before. I don't think there's a fix. This the like Chris said, they have to change it. They have to fix it. There's nothing really that we can do from the outside looking in to fix the problem because it's a it's just how their industry works. And to break that mold is difficult. I can't even say support originals because originals most time are just a producer giving an original product to the studio. All original means is there's no source material. They have to still they're they're hiring a writer, uh, say original made by Mario Kata. Mario Kata is writing it on the cuff, but somebody's still a producer that controls the property. Somebody wants that product. There is some cases where a studio themselves do it, but it's very rare. The like I said earlier, trigger making a product or whatever for an art show, or whatever like uh, you know, Little Witch Academia or something like that. Yeah, buy that Blu-ray. Shoot, that goes straight into their veins. They love it. Um, but it, there's no real other cases. I, I I would love, and we've mentioned this before. I would love if one of the more oddities of the industry would be a norm. Kyoto Animation. Kyoto Animation is basically a publisher, producer, studio. They do award ceremonies for people with original work. So somebody writes a, a novel, they submit it to their, their little um, competition. The winner basically gets a publishing um, contract, and it typically ends up being an animated uh, by their own studio. It's pretty much all in-house. They, they reap the rewards. They sell the merch. So you can go to Kyoto Animation Studios. We used to be able to go to their studio. Um, you can basically buy... Stuff that's theirs because they own it. They can sell whatever merch they want and it goes straight to their own pockets because it's their properties. I would love if Witch Studio had their own original work. Like they publish it, they write their own stuff. The problem is that most studios, unlike Kyoto Animation, most studios don't have the money to do that. They don't have the money to go, we're going to spend an entire year producing this original work that's completely paid by us. 
They're there waiting for a contract to hit their table. They're there waiting for somebody, a producer, to give them money to animate something. Again, they're contractors. They're not their own. It's 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 kind of like the idea of a contractor that makes buildings. They're not just going to make a building for themselves. They they're going to make a building for somebody else. But in some, in a case like Kyoto Animation, it's them going, yeah, we need we need a building. Let's build it ourselves. All right, we're going to use this building. Like they're creating it themselves, and thus they can rent it out and whatever. The original, the, the normal person doesn't have that money. Um, say like a big billionaire says, I want to make a huge skyscraper in New York that's going to have a, uh, apartments. He puts the money and they make that skyscraper and that, that investor, that person that owns that building is going to make all the money from those apartments. A random Joe Schmo contractor is not going to go, hey guys, let's build a huge skyscraper and make a bunch of money with, uh, for apartments because they don't have that money beforehand. That's your typical studio. They don't have that money to invest and risk to make a product and then – and risk is the key word there. Risk that it doesn't sell, that nobody cares about that original project they just made with all their money, and then they go bankrupt. They're waiting for somebody else to fork the money, somebody else to pay the bills. And I would love for a day when all these studios do that, but not – it's just not going to happen at this moment. And I think the the bigger picture issue that we're really seeing right now, going back to what I said earlier, where the fault lies is that contract made. The producers, production committee, whatever, says we want to have a product made. We're going to pay this much. The studios go, it's kind of low, but we can manage. They accept it. So they both the, – somebody's underpaying and somebody's accepting that underpay. They could say no. They could tell the, the production committee, <laughs> right, but no, they're going to accept it. Why? Because they still got to pay the bills. They need something. This, this group says they want to offer something, and we need to pay the bills. Otherwise, we're shutting the store down. We need something, anything. No matter if they come up there with measly scraps, we're going to accept it because at least the doors stay open. And so I think the problem that you're having right now is there's way too many damn studios. I think that's a huge problem that the, studio, that, that the industry right now is facing is there's too many people trying to make studios. I would love all these studios to have all the work in the world. More studios means more anime being made, and we're sure as heck seeing it right now because we're seeing, you know, at least, you know, what, 40-plus shows a season. Um, but the problem is that there's less shows than we had when that big boom happened. Like, 2019, I think, was that peak point. We've seen this huge increase in the industry, and now we're slowly seeing it come down, obviously, because this whole pandemic thing happened. And they cite that. That's a big issue why a lot of these studios... There's a, there was a study here recently that showed that last year, 30% of studios seen themselves in the red because you've seen that drop in what's available. There's too many studios, and yes, a lot of them were seeing delays because of the pandemic. The problem that I'm seeing right now is that we have way too many studios, and what and why I'm saying that's a bad thing is that they're all accepting whatever they can get, and I think the producers and the committees, they know that. They know that if they if if random studio A doesn't accept what they're going to pay to animate this random show, they'll find random studio number B that will accept it. And A knows that, so they're going to grab it because they don't want to miss out on that season of animating something. So I think there's a bigger picture. Again, this is a this is a huge issue that has no real fix besides a bunch of studios basically starving for a little bit and saying no. Until the production committee say, okay, we're going to pay more. Or again, 
never going to happen, but I'm hopeful. I would love it. Joen shows Joen J O E N. I have to spell that out. Joen shows you can do that, and then hopefully you see more producers, uh, publishers, and producers and studios band together to make a again mini Kyoto animations. That's essentially what Joen is. It's a mini an- uh, Kyoto animation, not a mini. It's more like a gigantic, but it's a it's a basically a mold of what Kyoto animation is. Again, Kyoto animation is a publisher a physical light novel, whatever publisher, they publish their own stuff. They then animate their own stuff and they sell their own stuff. They sell their own merchandise. They're all encompassing company. Whereas all these other studios are just starving for somebody to hand them something to animate. And if we can see something like that, Joan's doing it. They're becoming a Kyoto animation. I would love to see that happen for multiple trigger trigger gets with a publisher. So they have plenty of source materials to work with and a publisher and they make a little form contract. Isn't Sunrise doing the same thing? Yeah, Sunrise is technically everything within house. So yeah, because they and because they, they own well, Gundam right, and they yeah, yeah. animate Gundam. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, they have Gundam, which makes all the money in the world for them. So they and they don't really they'll d- dabble in other stuff, but it, it's, it, like it's not. Games. Yeah, Side Games made their own studio. Yeah. So it's all encompassing. But again, I think those are the big, the big bucks. They want their own thing. They want control over their own thing. They make their own studio. They animate their own. They, basically, it's the a company, technically a, a publisher that has so much content and so much money that they can make their own animation studio. It's really what it is. Mm-hmm. Psygang's like, we're making so much money off this mobile game. Just, I'm bored. Let's make a studio. All right, cool. Let's make a studio. Like they, They're just like sitting in a tub of money and they're like, eh. Let's make a studio. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. I have a couple of friends that are animators. Let's make a studio. Um, I'd love to give them a job. And I think that was probably the case with Sunrise. They're like, yeah. Uh, well, I think it was – I think with Sunrise, it was more of a thing that they they produced Gundam. Gundam made so much money in Gunpla that they kind of sprouted from there. Yeah. So um, I would love for, again, any studio to get that success and be able to sprout their own company under a, a brand. That would be fantastic. It's just, again – most of these studios are just waiting for somebody to feed them something to animate and to take that risk. Um, that's always with contractors. You're always – contractors are basically people that are just trying to let somebody else have the risk, and they're just going to do whatever the job asks them to do, and they walk away. They're not employed. They're not beholden. They just do the job, and they move on with their life. They're not They're not stuck in one place, and they can do whatever they want to do. That's kind of the benefit to being a contractor. But at the same time, when you have a, a building full of 100-plus people – you're beholden to all those people in that room, and you hope that they have their best interests in hand. And again, it seems like in most of those cases, it's them accepting whatever they can get. Again, if we don't take this, how are we paying the bills? And and, and to be fair, okay, I I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go on the on the flip side and kind of throw a little bit of. Um, blame on the animators themselves and i know this is going to get me flamed but when it comes down to it when i say these people or these companies need or japan needs to fix itself and i and we've talked about the cog in the machine problem and all that it all comes down to they've got to stand up for themselves and say look i'm worth more what's what the problem is is that they believe that they have to earn their their way up which is rightfully true they do need to earn them their way up you know, like uh the um 
the animator is that's just coming out of school and and he's got to do the in-betweens for a long time until he gets to the point where he can become the key animator and once he becomes the key animator he has a chance to become the director and he got he he'll eventually work himself up to the 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 full on it was usually like animator to key animator to uh animation director to uh, director itself is typically what you usually or assistant director and then usually to direct director yeah so. and and because whenever we, whenever we're looking at shows we often see that as where it's like Oh, this person's pretty much all they've done is animation, animation director. This is like their this is their breakout. This is the point where they're finally going to do something. Yeah, and and it, I I mean there's there's a lot of I mean one of my 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 favorite uh, animators is is um, started out he key animation animation all that stuff I, I you can see his entire um, rise up to the to the point where his he's he I I recognize his artwork like that he he's just so unique. And it's 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 funny to watch um, people get mad about this, but realize that these people, the, the way they're looking at it is they're earning their way. And so it's not necessarily that they are the the um, animation studio is just being mean to them. Yeah, there is the black company aspect of it. I would put studios more in the gray company area, but um, w- the company yeah, black has company, the yeah black company usually like insi- insinuates this idea that you're just a, a cog in the system and we've all been doing this but it was this mindset that we were in the big boom and thus we can treat people like this and it's been kept that way that whole time i again think that more of the aspect of the animation studios is they're just they're not taking enough money to yeah. pay them and so it's it, it's not it's not a matter of anybody's my ultimate I I mean jumping at uh ahead again is nobody's a good guy and nobody's a bad guy. It's 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 all a um a thing of just the nuance in this entire situation is really really complicated. And you can't just automatically say, well, this person like Andrew was saying uh it's not the production committee, it's not the uh the studio, it's not it's not the director. There's no tyrant in this situation. They're all trying to do their best um, to make a business work. And we, we have, we're basically talking about shoestring budgets all the way across. Yes, everybody's making a little bit of money. Everybody has their hand in the pie. But when it comes down to it, nobody's freaking making tons of money, Tesla-level money to, okay, well – you you did great on this animation. Let's throw some extra money at you. It's not like that. It's it's literally there's just so many things that are going on at the same time that everybody is getting a little bit of a cut. And the ones who do get their cut, they deserve it. Just like the the ones who are not making as much of a cut, they deserve it as well. It's just easier to point at the uh, the animator and say, well, they're only making ten thousand dollars, so obviously nobody's respecting them. No, it's not as simple as that, but yeah, I can see how you can turn it into that. And I, I think that's the the sad thing that always comes from this discussion is that I always want to, again, look at the bigger, broader picture. And yes, there's a side of me that goes, and I think a lot of people see that as well, is they, why don't they stop? Why yeah. don't the animators stop? Why don't they go do something else? 
it always comes down to yes, there's probably a lot of them that are, that are trying to push for that moment they become the director. Well, and it, they become a big name and they make the big bucks and they keep doing what they enjoy so much. I, I think, think a lot, lot of it is, is the dream dream aspect. Yeah. They they want to fulfill their dream. Just like everybody else, they, you have this thing that when you were young, you really wanted to do it. These animators, they wanted I, I wanted to play video games for my entire life. Obviously, I didn't pull that off, but when it came down to it, that was my dream. And if I had gone down that path, I would have had a hard time getting to it. They they talk about the the starving artist, the 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 person who's on the side of the road, been kicked out Andrew. of his apartment. Uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> anybody that's an artist. Yeah, anything you create. Yeah, again, like I said before, a, a YouTuber trying to make this content on YouTube and trying to make money from it, making the podcast and putting together outlines and all this stuff and the research is the hope that eventually, yes, it goes viral or whatever. You get enough followers that you get the money out of it. It's the same thing with when I was growing up, I wanted to be an artist. And I knew I dropped it because what did I, what I realized, there's a lot of artists out there. There's not that many people that are of a Van Gogh or, or a, you know, making the big bucks, selling a huge piece of art in a museum. There's only so many, only so many museums with, your, with art up there. And they, how many people that want to be on animators? And they're, they're hoping for that, just that one shot. And once they get that one shot, they can prove it. And once they prove it, it's all going to make make it worth it. They, all those years of of starving and 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 fighting and 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 making another uh, in between, another in between, another in between. They get that one shot to do the the OP or or the ED, and and they just make this beautiful work of art, and that that skyrockets them into the um, the key animator spot and all that stuff. And so take that into consideration. These a lot of these people they think that they are waiting for their chance at that moment. It's not necessarily. I'm not making it out that they are. Uh, they walked into it, but in a way they are, they, they, that is their, they're taking the stripes to get to the chance to, for that one moment. Yeah. That's, that's the sad thing is that I think a lot of it is them. Cause a lot of the, uh, I've, I've watched a couple documentaries and stuff where they interview animators and it's typically that is I grew up loving anime and I wanted to do that. I wanted to make that art. I wanted to put that together. And then, and they're pretty much asked, why do you keep doing this? Just, I enjoy this. I enjoy doing this thing. And it's like, it sucks to think that it's something. But again, my, my argument that I make a lot in this, this stings for a lot of people is you don't always get paid well for what you want to do. Yep. Everybody love. I think most people would love to drop, stop, drop their job and do whatever their hobby is, but their hobby typically doesn't get paid. And the thing that, that stings so much is that, this is somebody saying this when I literally do this for a job is watch anime and talk about anime. I want them all to get paid a bunch. That's why I said earlier, that whole chart, that Shirabako thing they put together, push that over. Everybody gets paid more. I would love them all to get paid because there's a, so many things in that system that puts that together. And it, and I would and I make this argument. People focus so much on animators. They all deserve to get paid more. The director, they put a lot of work into it. The anime director, they get they put some effort into it. Every single person in this chart puts their effort and their work into that thing, not just the animator. Why we always say animator? I don't know why. Uh, that isn't not me. I think they well, all I, should get paid more. They should all have a living wage. 
like I said, it, it, it really comes down to it's easier to point at the one the that's getting pe- yeah. paid the low and, and say, hey, there's a problem here. Let's let's do this. What about the musician? What about the sound? The yeah. person that makes the sound? You're you're, the, you're loving this animation because of all these people that put it together. What about the guy that signed all the contracts? What about the the council? Secretary probably doesn't yeah. get ma- paid that much. <laughs> there's so many people that made that happen. The person that keeps the lights on. I mean, there's so many people that keep the, this this functioning thing going. The animator, all they did is somebody came up and said, "Hey, draw from this point to this point," and they drew it. So what about the person that made the point A to point B? What about the person that decided how that would lay out? What about the person that made the this uh, the the scene composition, all that kind of stuff, serious composition, the the script writer, the person that made the writing, the person that voiced the character? All these people again should get paid more. It's just there's a problem with this overall system that needs to be fixed before that ever happens. And again, my whole conclusion, this whole conversation is, don't think it's ever going to happen. I hate to say it, but I don't think it's ever going to happen. And it, this sucks because um, here recently, I, I forget the name off the top of my head. There was a group that basically did this whole project where they kickstarted um, to basically make a music video. And it was with uh, Kevin Pink, I think I believe was involved with it. And they put together this cool little music video. And their whole thing, this, you can look it up on YouTube. It's like, um, um, what if animators got paid uh, well or something like that. And their whole thing was that they were paying like eighty to one hundred and twenty dollars per cut or something like that. And my whole mindset was like, "That's cool. I love that. I would love if this would inspire these companies to pay these people more. I would love that. Sure, I would love all these animators to get paid that much per cut. But when you think about it, all right, that's a what was it like three minute long video? It's not very long. All right, let's let's break. I went ahead and I broke it down. I'm like, okay, let's let's take. Per cut, that's how much you're getting paid. Now let's turn that into an episode. It was like ten million, seven to ten million dollars. There's not going to be a single company in the world that's going to pay seven million dollars. I love this concept. Like I said, I love what they're saying here. This is, this is this video was a statement. This video was saying we paid our animators this much per cut. Good on them. I'm glad those people got paid that much. But at the same time, you think that that's going to change the industry? It's not. Because there's not going to be a single Anaplex out there. There's not going to be a single Shueisha out there that's going to pay $7 million USD per episode to make an anime. Ain't no way. There's nobody out there that's going to pay that much. Like I said, looking at these leaked uh, uh, shows that we've gotten at some point, like Samurai 7, $32 million yen per episode that's about 230,000 that's going to be on the upper tangent that's going to be your not normal amount and typical amounts probably going to be more in the 20 uh, 20 million yen which is going to be in that area of like uh $140,000 USD per episode nobody's paying 7 million plus dollars per episode sadly uh- I, I want to and I mentioned this to Andrew when we were talking about whether or not we were going to discuss this show um, I had mentioned the fact that I had um, – during one of our episodes, I had um, did a breakdown of um, comparing the how much the animation uh, studios were making compared to like the Western audience. And then I, of course, threw in the whole inflation and, and tried to re- reevaluate it. The If you take into consideration what, what they're going against with them, it's – 
it's it's apples and oranges. The amount of money that we dump into our uh, and this is big budget stuff. So don't 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 uh, misunderstand what I'm saying. You, you're talking Pixar. They're they're making you know spending god awful amounts of money per per frame slash second. I mean, and these guys are on shoestring but budgets across the board, making one episode per week for yeah. three months. Exactly. Versus a full feature length film that's going to be released in a single year. So now you, when you take into consideration consideration Miyazaki or or one of these uh, or your name or something like that, where they actually are dumping a lot of money into, you can see the difference in in the the quality. Um, we 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 make fun of um, unlimited Blade Works uh, of unlimited budget works or um, like Andrew had mentioned earlier, Psy Games, and that where they just dumped god awful amounts of money into uh, Rage of the Pomet. You can tell the difference in what happens when you have massive budgets. However, like we were saying earlier, the studio might be bit underbidding themselves in a lot of cases. Why? Because they want the contract. Yeah. And so they're going to cut in the money they they're they're like like i said when when i was talking about me and and me going for sealed bids i would love i would have loved to have seen who i was going against i know that i was cutting out so much fat out of what we were doing there was no money to it felt like there was no money to be made in what we were doing and it hurt and and what were you contracting for you were contracting for basically guaranteed money. work yeah you're 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 getting guaranteed work for a set amount of time and not to get specifics but we're talking about contracts that would say for the next year you've you've got guaranteed business you don't have to worry about who comes in the front door you have guaranteed business for this year and that's a huge thing for a lot of them. That's, yeah, a lot of cases people will underbid because it's guaranteed work and you're set for this amount of time. Hey, you don't have to worry about hoping that somebody comes in the door for the next week. Those, those, those bids were government bids. And so you were, you were going against uh, another bid was had to do with a big O corporation that was like nationwide. And you're – like Andrew was saying, you're going for the bulk – order yeah like i said you're trimming the fat down to the bare bones you're not making the money off of this you're making money off of the bulk amount of what you're doing so if you can get yourself to a point where you're outpacing the money that's lost on the other things then you can make up for it and that's what i think a lot of these companies or these studios are trying to do if if they can cut all the fat down to where they have a streamlined business uh set 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 up to where the animators are doing this 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 and this and this and they get it all streamed out they the and this is stuff that is uh people who do the a lot of the entrepreneurial stuff they see um they they do a lot of this stuff where they set up systems and systems is how you um streamline everything out to where all that fat even though you yes you cut that fat you can get that from here to here, and it's okay. You, it's okay that you lost a little bit of that fat because you're making money in the bigger run. Yeah, the, the sad thing that I've seen at some point, and it was kind of a promising sign, was Netflix. Um, as much as we have issues with Netflix and how much they hold our products that we want to have, you know, streamed on a weekly basis, 
for a while there, the anime, the animation studios themselves loved Netflix. They were pumping big bucks. And what they were basically doing is going there and saying, I want, they're basically becoming the production committee. And they were saying, we want you to animate this thing. They, they were doing originals and saying, you know, do whatever you want to do, make some great, cool thing. And they were excited about it. But even then, at some point, it seemed like Netflix kind of dropped off. I think we had like a lot of reports that were coming out them saying, yeah, they don't pay that much anymore. Like there was this excitement, like, oh, wow, we, we had this report that Netflix was pumping money into these studios and giving them a ton of money to do whatever they want to do. And then at some point, it, it came out like, no, they, they don't pay that much no more. We're not excited about them no more. <laughs> Netflix created that segment and then went, ah, we don't really have to pay that much, do we? Why would we pay that much? Let's, let's, let's reel it back a little bit. Um, but again, I think the to, – to end on a more positive note, because I know I've been negative most of this entire thing. And again, I think that was the realization that I came looking into this. The more I dug, the more I looked at it, the more it was a bigger picture, the more that it was this big monstrosity that has no single answer. Again, the only answer they can really see is the studios all together, all these hundreds of studios at this point saying no. I don't think it's going to happen. But the only positive thing I can see is, again, like I said earlier, the only positive sign that I see at this current moment of August of 2022 is the concept of things like Joan. I don't think I don't know I have no sign that Joan's doing anything special. They made they made a cool website that says positivity, 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 but I don't see it in fruition yet. The hope is that more companies do that. That we see this kind of coming together of these companies rather than being contracting to be a part of each other and to reap their own rewards. If you can have a case like Shueisha partnering up with a, a studio and saying, we will give you whatever properties you want. We want you to make the best product possible and we'll make sure that we take care of you. That's the cool thing. What's to say that Shueisha having as many properties as they have, having us designated studio where all they do is go, okay, next month is this show. Next month is this manga. Next month is this manga and keep pumping out show after show after show. And then what happens? Shueisha makes more money because every one of their properties in their mangas is selling because every month we have a new show that's being produced for that next property. That's the hope is eventually that you see either the studio working with publishers together to benefit each other. So you have more, uh, some more kickbacks to the studio itself, something that brings it all together. I think the only way that can fix the problem that we have right now is the studios themselves stop being contractors because i think that's the only way that's the that's the, that's the issue is their contractors they don't own the properties they don't reap the rewards they don't make the benefits they don't make the the big bucks they don't sell the merchandise they have no control of the property they're strictly contracted to do a job and then walk away and there's no benefit to them in the long run besides hoping for another contract to line on the desk yeah, I, I don't I don't believe that we're necessarily being negative. Um, I, in all actuality, in a, in a lot of ways, what we're doing is we're technically defending um, the industry as a whole. I, I don't think I've always had a problem with this this basic narrative in general of well the the animators don't get enough money, and I hate talking about this mostly because it makes me into some kind of a bad guy. And I don't – I love the animators because I love what they, they are producing for us. 
I just don't I I'm I'm in this almost the same boat as Andrew where I see it as a bigger problem. That's why I've always said to dump more to to support as much of this as you can. Um it's there's so many different things involved in this and proving that, that and that I, I I don't want to repeat the entire thing over again but repeat uh but proving that we are a market that they see the problem like i said earlier it's they, they they believe that japan is the only ones who are who matter to them and so they look at us over here in the western because and and this is to be fair they look at us this way mostly because of the um the bubble that popped um 20 some odd years ago and they 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 that hurt them they were putting a lot of stuff out there and we were buying it up and basically our gatekeepers at that time said oh no 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 they they had money flying everywhere and and they were living the high life and it popped because everybody at the same time was done we 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 were getting garbage anime we were get, and and so the money dried up and it hurt them and so they don't jump head first into it again because why we burned them now they're seeing it and they acknowledge it but they're not jumping head first in because they it already burned them once so are they are they really going to do that now this is why i say we have to prove by putting our money where our mouth is you want to support the animators i'm all for it i absolutely agree i want the animators to get more money but like andrew said the entire industry needs to go up which means we have to prove to them that we want this we're not going to at at the drop of a hat i'm not saying that there won't be another bubble it's very possible i mean if they start producing a whole bunch of crap maybe that'll end up happening again but i don't think it the the same mechanics will happen this time because like i said they're a lot more cautious about it this time and if they do do it they're doing it through different realms and that's why i said like andrew had mentioned earlier why I keep bringing up the industry needs to sh- a shake up and there needs to be something that changes in the way that we interact with the the studios and once we 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 can't we can't have a, a a gatekeeper really honestly but when it comes down to it the way we interact with these studios if we can get that money directly to the studio that'll shift everything because then the studio themselves are making money off of the the property and it needs to be that way. They need to be contracting, hey, we want access to the um, the property instead of a production committee giving them permission to make the anime. It, Like I said, everything needs to be changed up. Until that happens, we're going to keep being told that the animators are getting paid this much. And yes, we all want the animators to get more money. But when it comes down to it, something needs to change over there. Us yelling about how bad the animators have it and getting mad at everybody who says, well, yeah, but there's more to it than just the animators. That's not changing anything. Yes, we all agree the animators are having a hard time. We all want that to change. But yelling about it and getting mad at people that say there's more to it, 
that's not changing anything. Yep. Well, that's uh, anything else? I think that pretty much covers my outline. It's positive. It's positive. <laughs> it's positive. Um, like I said earlier, I this is technically an outline for this big project or for a video that I want to do that will have visuals and everything like that. So hopefully whenever I get around to putting that together and making a nice cohesive video, hopefully you guys will check that out. Again, that's on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash otakuspirit. Um, all of our links are otakuspirit.com. But um, yeah, I, I hope that that at least informs people. I like to give, I like to grant people information that they can then utilize. Grant, like I said, the the issue here is really presenting this big concept, this big issue that really has no resolve. But at least now you understand why it's not something that's so easily fixable, and that there's this big this big thing that needs to be kind of overcome in order for things to kind of change. So. But again, like I said earlier, there's still aspects of when you see a studio pop up with a Kickstarter or Patreon or something like that, and you want to fund them, do it. Just don't do it not knowing that because you Patreon uh, <laughs> trigger doesn't mean you're you're funding a show or something like that. It could eventually become a show, but um, knowledge is power, and I love I love informing people. So hopefully, people got a lot out of this uh, episode. As usual, if you enjoy this content and you want to support what we do. We have a Patreon account. Speaking of Patreon, <laughs> links are at TakuSpirit.com. You can go there for our uh, support button up there and and uh, support us through a tip or through a uh, Patreon account. Throw us a buck or something like that per month. We greatly appreciate it um, because we don't have uh, a production committee to give us money. <laughs> we hope you guys enjoy this. We definitely appreciate all of our Patreon supporters and all those that support us. Your, your support means a lot to us. And uh, with that said, you all take care. Oh,